Popeye the Sailor Man said it best, my friend. I am what I am. Um, and I sometimes don't think about what I am, what I am, that I am, until it's blatantly in front of me. And uh, I went to go see The Killer in theaters. I was lucky enough that it was showing close to me. And the Netflix whatever it is, two week release window or whatever it is, it kind of infuriates me because I think some of these movies that Netflix has that are like originals would greatly benefit culturally from a theatrical window and also financially, you know, the Actually, um, Netflix is missing it is that they are taking away from the conversation around because when killers of the flower moon hits Apple, everybody is going to flock there and want to see it. Cause there's been so much conversation about it. It's been out there in the ether. It's already made a substantial chunk of change and it's going to be like ready to fly by the time it hits fucking Apple. And, you know, we both like those Hemsworth extraction movies, but if those were in fucking theaters, they'd be John wick. You know what I mean? Like they, mm -hmm. they'd be in the conversation with John wick mission impossible, the equalizer, extraction the franchise um and i think the killer would have benefited from a theatrical release because again it's so cinematic and we'll get into that but i went and saw it at like my local art house theater is like a 45 minute drive and i went with my boy and shout out to the huntington cinema art center out here on long island because they're one of those theaters that shows these kinds of things like i saw the new Alexander Payne movie there this week, the holdovers and shit. And in the beginning of this movie, this guy talks about <laughs> how he puts on this disguise to look like a normal person, this like lizard suit and practices meditation and practices yoga and spouts all this dialogue and talks about keeping his life minimal. And I start thinking about, and you can see me right now and I've showed you, I like live in a room that has like nothing in it, you know, that, uh, Michael Mann, like don't be attached to anything that you can't leave behind you. If the heater around the corner or whatever kind of ethos, like I developed that. So innately into my fucking brain, I think because I've watched heat so many times and watch movies similar to this so many fucking okay, okay, times. Okay. We're, this is the last. This is the last time tonight you're going to use the H word because we like we coming up after this. We're going to be discussing another Michael Mann movie, and mm -hmm. this could literally just turn into the H word podcast. We okay. aren't going to mention it, and we're not going to make it the crux. We're not going to make it a crutch for us. So moving on. But the characters, like the guys in the H word and the killer, this person who tries to detach themselves emotionally when they're out in public and the public perception of them and consumes food as literal consumption and calorie counts rather than actually enjoying it. I start becoming the fucking literally meme meme where I'm like, Oh no, I'm this fucking this horrible, I'm this horrible human. He does the yoga routine. He listens to the Smiths. Like his only personality is the music that he listens to. And I think about how every day I, I mean, you know me, like I wake up every morning, no matter what, six o'clock. Like I, that's how our conversation started. Like, you know, you were coming home, you were going to bed. I was waking up. I was getting ready 
for my day and <laughs> leaving okay. the heat. Yeah, the way the way it was presented there was like I'm crawling into bed with you. No, that I <laughs> Yes, I would call you fucking drunk off my ass ready to talk cinema and you would pick up the phone at 6 a.m. be like i'm ready and you wake up i'm ready to talk cinema let's go baby i'm ready to go i'm ready to go (laughs) i've done my 15 minutes of stretching i've done my 15 minutes of transcendental meditation i've already listened to two smith songs and i'm ready to watch the h word you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um i've I've eaten a gas station hard-boiled egg i'm ready to go um and then i was talking to my friend uh the first time i saw this and walking out of the theater he literally said to me if you know a butterfly's wings moved in the wrong direction you could have been a cannibal serial killer if if all went wrong in your life and you know the house of cards came fucking tumbling down and I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or not, because I kind of did. I was like, yeah, this movie's about, re- about sick men who are very comfortable being alone with themselves, with their obsessions. Yeah. Like how I sleep with a Cormac McCarthy book next to me and a picture of Adam driver. Like I, I understand, <laughs> I understand that. Um, today we are talking about David Fincher's, newest film his first film in four years right uh no it's his first film in 10 years because uh we're not going to even recognize a film that came out three and a half years ago okay yeah his first actual film in 10 <laughs> years which is absolutely <laughs> insane here on DJ cinema podcast <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. No, but it's this, okay. This, I'm like this movie. <laughs> this movie is dank. This movie's dank, and the last movie was not dank. Yeah, it rhymes with dank though. Um, yeah, it sounds like dank, but it wasn't dank. And no one said thank you for making that movie, David. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad was dead already. You didn't owe him anything. You know, I know he wrote the script. <laughs> Should have made it when he was alive, David. <laughs> We are talking David Fincher, and we are talking The Killer here on DGen Cinema Podcast, a p- podcast for fucked up movie lovers, where two degenerates analyze film through the lens of the vices, addictions, and flaws that we share with their dysfunctional characters. Our podcast is purely logistical, narrowly focused by design. We serve no God, no country. We fly no flags. If we are effective, it's because of one simple fact. We don't give a fuck baby wake up a new personality (laughs) to adapt is here baby clear here if you have not seen the movie this is not a manifesto of two school shooters and none of that shit (laughs) we're not going to aurora colorado (laughs) because the way it sounded if you haven't if you're just tuning in this was an uh, overt reference. The last of that mission statement was an overt reference to this movie of a man who basically is that type of character. He could have been shooting up people at any way. And he's like, okay, how can I do it and get paid? Cause I'm detached and sick and I'm focused. So like this movie 
is a character study on empathy in the disguise of absolute genre trash, right? That's what this mm. movie is at its core. It's a conversation literally going on inside one human's head because I'd say 90% of the dialogue in this movie is voiceover going on inside someone's head and 50% of that dialogue is just repeated mantras that he's telling himself throughout the entire thing to keep himself going. Like the first every interactions people ask and he just looks at them blankly and he doesn't even respond. Yeah. I've been like kind of working even even with not even the people he's going to kill. Even with when he's like buying something from the store, is that all today? And he just like hands him the money. Mm-hmm. Smiles, says that's fascinating. He doesn't even smile. It walks away. He just, yeah, yeah. He just looks blankly. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a scene where he's with that bank teller towards the end, and he's taking out all of his money before he like does the the big final you know thing. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, our expert brokers would really like to talk to you about some investment opportunities and he goes interesting and just takes his papers and walks away and <laughs> yeah. like throws everything in the this trash this is great yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it is uh it's kind of the stuff that we're telling ourselves we're supposed to be throughout the day you know you're the best you're the best don't let don't take any shit um Actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this and you might make fun of me for this, but when I first got sober and maybe a year into my sobriety, I had on this post-it, you know, because I like do meditation in the morning and I would stare at this post-it and I wrote uh, the Kanye West line, the future is the present, the present is the past, your presence is a present, kiss my ass. And I would just like stare at that all the time, like, go get it, go get it, go get it, go get it, go get it. And I mean, like the first 22 minutes of this movie with that dialogue is essentially Patrick Bateman with a bad haircut, you know? Yes, very well put and really funny. But (laughs) can we also not like ignore that a crazy person, you loved that another crazy person said something and you go, "Ah, yes, I find comfort in what Kanye West, a fellow crazy man said or are you so crazy you don't realize that you're both crazy or like how far how far removed are you from craziness are you like um fastbender's character in the killer that you don't even know you're not aware of how removed you are or are you aware of how loony you are the answer is a is is (laughs) the, the former um and my actual response is with another Kanye lyric, which is name one genius that ain't crazy. <laughs> is can't tell me nothing. Can't tell me <laughs> nothing. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> Wait till I get my money right. Here we come. <laughs> and uh, throw some D's on the bitch. That's what I got to say to that. D's, motherfucking D's, Rosie Perez. Um... David Fincher, like, I know we talk so much about movies and he's a director who's like always in the conversation for the best working filmmaker, like in the game, essentially. Where do you fall on that statement, essentially? Oh, I mean, easily without even doing like, because we didn't come into this. You didn't uh, prep me this prep this question for me before and easily top easily top five probably top three Mm -hmm. i mean 
I believe not breadth of work, but I think if we're going to take what he's done recently, which as a film person, we call it recently 15 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is better than what Scorsese's been doing. Agreed. Agreed. Is he a better filmmaker than Martin Scorsese? No, that's not what I'm saying. Easy. Don't take it and fucking uh, take that as a sound bite or anything. But are we like, well, right now, like I would say Chris Nolan is the best working director, period. You and think it's it, not particularly close. Do you think in terms of technical proficiency, that's, that's, that's kind of the interesting thing with Fincher for me. Yeah, it'd be Villeneuve, it'd be Villeneuve, Chris Nolan, and then you know if we want to be art housey, like I obviously I love Kelly Rarshar, and I want to like, mm-hmm. um, who did the who's the Asian girl who did the cowboy movie and then oh god, the, I hate that woman Chloe Zhao. Chloe Zhao, I love that cowboy movie so much. I I like that movie too, but did you see the Eternals? As somebody who has, no, a comic I, don't, book- I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have an MCU podcast, so I don't, I don't <laughs> bother with that stuff. It's miserable. Um, there's a character named Icarus. Guess what he does at the end of the movie? He flies into the, into the fucking sun, sun and I yeah. <laughs> just wanted to fucking scream. I was just emotionally screaming. Um. One of the things I think that's, that's not so, her. That's a stu- That's a studio. Just like being like, you gotta have to do this thing. I hope so, man. I fucking feel bad for Chloe Zhao with that movie. Um, well, well, what I think this movie is about the killer. The killer is about people. More people need a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you have a crazy person, let's see, get an Uber. An Uber driver starts. You say, how's your night? So he said, oh, it's good. So that's good. He says, how's your night? Or she says, how's your night? And you say, how, how your night was. It's all about and the then said, she said. Two or three more questions. And then they start telling you everything about their childhood and everything that's been happening to them and how interesting their life is or how horrible their life is. However, they're going to frame it. You just go, okay, I feel like not only you're having this conversation with me, you're having this conversation with every passenger. Also, you can have this conversation once if you set it into a microphone and just put it online. Yeah. Even if nobody listens, you would just feel better. Now, Fastbender, if you, instead of giving me 22 minutes and 34 seconds of voiceover to start a movie, which, Fincher, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe and that I don't mean it. exists. Yeah. I don't mean it in a way like you did it. I can't believe you did it. I, I literally mean, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> like when my, well, I caught my girlfriend going through my phone. She's like, Hey, what was this number? Who were you calling at this time? And I literally said, I can't believe you did that. That's the tone I'm taking. For <laughs> the voiceover for 22 minutes. I can't believe you did that. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I can't believe that it's executed like that. And that's something that Fincher isn't a stranger to when you think about movies like Fight Club. And I think that this is an interesting companion piece to Fight Club. Both very funny, very cynical movies. Right? Like, I, I genuinely, at my heart of hearts, think... Fight Club is a comedy. And I think Fincher and everyone involved in that movie thought that movie was supposed to be kind of a, a romp, you know, like kicking the well, piss. Do you remember? I I mean, when it was marketed, I was in high school, I was in like late high school. Me too. I was in early was high marketed, school. 
it was marketed as an action movie. Like there was like a fight club. Like it was a basically like a fighting movie with some crazy stuff. And and I think in the trailer they would showed is there a part where like Edward Norton and like the plane is crashing or falling apart? I haven't yeah, seen yeah, Fight yeah. Club in so long. It's a long. dream sequence. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um one of those movies that I've seen so many times. I even when I was a teenager, I saw Fight Club. I was like, I huh, I was oh, I'm really disappointed in this movie. Let me try it again 14 more times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was just of the age where you're just gonna you couldn't escape it. Anytime you went to someone's house, like Fight Club was just there. Like I know. And it was actually marketed as an action movie to the point where there was a PlayStation 2 video game that was kind of like made by the people who made like <laughs> Def Jam Fight for New York. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to guess who was an unlockable character in the Fight Club video game? Oh, I couldn't even guess. I couldn't even guess. Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit fame was an Actually, unlock- I could have guessed that. I read that. I read I something recently that Fred Durst, literally, I read that he had a um well let me let me just step back for a second here so donald trump when he used to own the plaza in new york Mm -hmm. he had it that if you wanted to film in the plaza he had to be written into the movie and that's how he got into home alone too yep okay and what happened is they used to film in it center the woman was filmed there as well they used to film them and they would cut it well fred durst had a similar thing in his contract that if you're going to use a Limp Bizkit song, you have to put his character in the video game. That's so funny. So like, and so he's actually in a lot of video games. That's so funny. So if they wanted to put break stuff in the fight club video game and just attract, the I don't know. Is that, a, is that a Limp Bizkit song? I'm not yeah. trying to, I'm not trying to yeah. act like I'm too cool. I just don't remember. I haven't heard Limp Bizkit in so long. So yeah, it's a fucking Limp Bizkit song. And like, the lyrics are like everybody's fucked go and break stuff like stuff like that yeah. it's, it's like perfect for the axe body spray dude bro who loved fight club in the <laughs> yeah. early yeah. 2000s Spike tv yeah yeah 100 percent. and i think this movie's kind of an answer to fincher's like what fincher accidentally did to radicalize young men to be douchebags and he's kind of giving us the ultimate version of Tyler Durden, the ultimate version of this handsome, you know, perfect specimen of a dude who, uh, you know, does everything perfectly to a T everything's cold and calculated. Like, you know, the idiots who watch Wolf of wall street and like, are like, yeah, bro, I can't wait to get rich and do all the Coke in the world, bro. And you're like, you missed the point of the movie. You know what I mean? Or, you know, watch Taxi Driver and think Travis Bickle is a hero or watch Fight Club and had the poster. I keep pointing. That's where my Fight Club poster used to be when I was 20 uh, behind me. Um, that inescapable angst of a young man, I should call it. You know, the angry young man kind of movie. Um, except he's taking the fucking piss out of it and simultaneously taking the piss out of himself. To the point where I think this is Fincher's version of a comedy question mark, right? Well, I think it's his most, it's an autobiographical film. It's about him, to me, how I, I don't want to sound 
contentious here. But yeah, to me, how I (laughs) do it. I'm banging my chest. How how I viewed it was basically Fastbender was him, and it was Fincher how he approaches filmmaking and not just filmmaking, and then the outer the like outer peripheral characters were the like I was like I would think the you know the guys he killed in Florida in this movie? Sure. And they had the pit bull and the pit bull. They were like clearly like they're guys who like work out in the front yard and they're all jacked and they're all juiced up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and this is the first movie in forever. He used the term creatine and he said something about something you shouldn't like it should be like there should be like a gun creatine. There should be like a 20, 30 day waiting period. Maybe a 30 no day waiting creatine period on creatine isn't a bad idea. Yeah, but I mean, people aren't using. There's just like they're just juicing. What are you talking about? But anyways, it was just like there's a very like '90s ref because creatine was enormous in the late '90s because people were like, oh, I can get Jack like I'm juicing, but I without juicing, I'm gonna use creatine. Especially during the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa like home run battle. Do you remember that? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah of course. That, that was like where I learned what creatine was as like a kid. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that was or, all uh, 96 through 98, 99, and, and, and Fight Club came out in 99, so it was made leading up to that. That's when it was made, and um, anyways, about the crate, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. When he takes on the knuckleheads, I felt like that was Fincher, take, that's how him's being, this is how difficult it is dealing with film executives in this industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think this movie is him. Be, this is how I feel when I approach my projects. I'm very meticulous about it. Mm-hmm. I And I take myself too seriously. And like you said, I'm kind of laughing at myself. Uh-huh. Isn't it funny how seriously I take it? Uh-huh. And even when I take trash material, mm-hmm. like Gone Girl or Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, mm-hmm. which are or- shitty paperback novels... Seven airport paperback novels, even seven. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like seven. They go, Oh no, it's serious. Cause it's got the gravitas. Cause it's got, um, why am I drawing a blank? Morgan on the Freeman. voice. Morgan Freeman's voice. Yeah. It's like, just cause I had Morgan Freeman's voice doesn't mean it's actually serious. So a woman gets killed with a spiked dildo in that movie. <laughs> so the guy when they give him getting his statement <laughs> like okay if it was that traumatizing it's not how you'd react you would just actually be frozen or you would just uncontrollably cry you wouldn't be like <laughs> one of the i'm telling you if you are a police detective and you're listening to this, which if you are, you probably should be listening to this because holy fuck, what are these lunatics talking about? Maybe they're up to something sinister. So I don't blame you for listening, police detective. But police detective, who would happen to be listening to this, if you have a suspect in a chair and you start quizzing them and they start acting like <laughs> everything they're answering, they are faking and they're lying. So don't believe them because <laughs> yeah. nobody would ever act like this ever. I can't tell when a girl's faking an orgasm, but I can tell when a guy's lying in the interrogation chair. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Maybe I only care when the guy's lying in the chair. I don't care if a girl's faking. Yeah, it makes hey, me feel good about myself. No. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey. 
Yeah, I agree with the self-referential David Fincher stuff. The dude is the most meticulous craftsman possibly working in film, and that's kind of what he's known for. That's and he crafts wonderful films. And even, even you know, I was joking, like even Mank is a wonderfully crafted film. It is just a horrible movie. <laughs> it's just so fucking You just lame. forgot to make a good movie. You made a good-looking movie that was like, you got all the details right, but you forgot that the details don't matter if what you start with is horseshit. And you mentioned the material that Fincher adapts, because Fincher's never written anything other than Mank, um, which he co-wrote. He's never had a writing credit on anything he's ever done. He's always adapted somebody else's work. And he's fine. Well, it's interesting because he came into the industry as an advertising and music video guy. And more often than not, those brands are trying to sell us trash that's made on the cheap, sold to the consumer for more money. And essentially trying to sell it to us by making it so appealing. And Fincher kind of does the same thing with the material that he's been adapting, especially girl with the dragon tattoo killer. Um, Gone girl, you know, seven, these, these, what you called like the airport paperback novels. He's essentially like giving us the pulp trash at the most artistically competent level imaginable in a lot of ways. And I think that there is something super admirable about that. And I'm happy that people like that are working because there's filmmakers that you and I really like the, uh, the Walter Hills of the world and the, the Billy Freakins of the world who kind of worked in a similar vein where they would take borderline trash material even michael mann you know um yeah our favorite movies our favorite movies are elevated trash you and i always 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 and i think fincher is kind of the guy who's like most capable of doing that by being so singularly focused on everything going on at hand um planning not improvising and essentially all the things that michael fassbender's fucking character is saying over and over and over to himself did you have any laugh out loud moments in this movie like while watching it for the first time uh no okay not the same way it didn't hit me the same way as you except that like i said in the opening i was laughing. Oh, he keeps doing voiceover, and I and I literally paused it because on Netflix, I watch it on my Roku, so my TV and my Roku, and I paused it. What's it? How long has it been playing? It was seventeen minutes. Yeah, that's insane. I go. No one said any. No one has literally said anything on screen except for him. His voiceover, and it's a big faux pas to use voiceovers if mm-hmm. you don't know film that much. I'm obviously not telling you, but if you do know film, and it is, it's a lazy man's way to get to give you information and then i was like finally someone spoke and i paused it again it was a like i said 22 minutes and 37 seconds i'm making up the time but it was literally over 22 fucking minutes and i laughed i laughed i'm like wow you and then i was like wait this is a two-hour movie i'm like there's no way this movie needs to be two hours (laughs) yeah 
the and it doesn't. This movie should have been eighty six minutes. I think this movie. I think it is like just under two, right? Like it's no. Like, oh really? Wow, that's so funny. I think it's two oh one. I'll look it up. It yeah. doesn't matter. But one one of the things that kind of got me is like this guy by saying all this inner dialogue. The reason why one hour and fifty eight minutes. Okay, yes, just under two. That's crazy. Um. The inner dialogue is all we know about this guy because if we didn't have that, we'd see little to no interaction with literally anybody. Because, like you mentioned before, he doesn't even say a word to people, even if they're like gas station attendants. So, at that 22 minute mark, all we know about this guy are the insane people things that he is saying in his head. And then that he has an iPod Nano, a playlist labeled work playlist, and it's only filled with Morrissey and Smith songs. The historical sad boy, emotional crybaby band. And he's counterbalancing everything about what he's doing with this like do you like the smiths i i don't even know if I, I i feel like that's kind of like like i know what you're gonna say you're gonna say i do not like the smiths right no i don't yeah i don't i don't listen to any of that shit but okay i used to listen to i'm a not lot even, of I'm not even openly bashing it I'm, when i say i don't listen to any of that shit i just i literally that genre just doesn't do it for me if it does a few that's fine that's great yes i uh i grew up on the smiths new order the cure Suzette and the Banshees, like all that stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. So have I always wanted as a trial uh, troglodyte cave person to see a cool murder scene with how soon is now in the background? Yeah. Yeah. And Fincher gives it to you and then cuts the music out and you're like, fuck, like, and he knows exactly what he's doing by doing that. Cause they do this thing in this movie where you get a mix with the sound editing of diegetic music. Is that what that's called? Where like music's happening naturally. Yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah. part of the scene. And then, you know, music being played as essentially part of the score. And when it's in the guy's ears and you're close up on Fastman or you're getting his perspective, you hear it as if it's muffled in the headphones. But then from the outside POV, you get the full blast. And as soon as that like guitar is about to kick into how soon is now, it drops back and it like, it's like, he's edging me. It's like David Fincher is just like getting me right to the edge. And I'm about to blast all over my television screen as I'm watching fucking Michael Fassbender. And then he just pulls me right out of the fucking rug. Like there is something innately satirical about a mass murderer driving a van, listening to fucking, girlfriend in a coma before he fucking puts a bunch of nails through some guy's chest or whatever the fuck he's about to do. Like, you know, the it's my favorite the, part, my favorite part of the movie is that cool. is that exchange with the guy who's, I guess the handler. I don't know what the fuck he is. He's like the he's lawyer the who sets it up. Yeah. 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 And when he gives him and then he gives him uh, the, 
nail gun to the chest but like hey if you answer i don't i don't really under i didn't really understand that like i can save you what like i don't know how you well, he fucked save. up fastbender <laughs> fucked up again he's like and then uh and then the guy just dies which is really fun but that's fun that was really funny he goes now you got and he says in his head the average person has six and a half shit shit <laughs> oh. he's just dead that's and never the happened girl, before the, the secretary all that was great all that was really cool and, and and awesome and even how he takes her out and he takes her out in a way and you could tell at the end he did take sympathy on her because she's like i know you're gonna kill me just kill me in a way that people find me because my family they can't deal with the unanswered and then he cracks her neck to make it look like she fell down the stairs which is like the nicest thing he could possibly have done Dude, she doesn't even say because my family can't deal with it being unanswered. She says she says for the for the life money. insurance yeah, policy yeah, because yeah, they yeah, won't yeah, give yeah. my kids the life insurance policy if I go missing. And that mm-hmm. is so cold, bro. That is such a cold way. Yeah, but she, it's also because that's the life that's the life she lives in. Of course. So she's thought about that. Obviously, she has it ready. Of course. Um, David Fincher famous for his sequences right his uh meticulously crafted sequences you can um think of the bicycle sequences in girl with the dragon tattoo or the end scene with sail away by Enya playing while Skarsgård is torturing Daniel Craig um the sequences in fight club you know going up and down the buildings and showing everything inside of the building just really slick, perfectly crafted ways of having the camera move in unimaginable ways. This film has two that I think are top tier Fincher. The first is that scooter chase after he fucks up the hit in the beginning mm-hmm. where he's not even racing away from people. He's just kind of like circling the perimeter and it's and anybody like, sees, they're like, they see through me, they know it, even though there's not an APB out on anybody. Like, what are you doing? Like, they just see a man on a scooter. They're not like, oh, you know, stop every individual person. Yeah. Yeah. It's more his paranoia. Like, oh, they they see through me that I am the evil piece of shit that did this. I'm telling you, there's like, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> I have just to rushing. dispose of everything in the most logically crafted way of disposing of every single thing in my temporary life you know yeah he like dumps out the guy's head i'm assuming like off the boat off the ferry like whatever yeah. the fuck it is it's just like you didn't have to do that no, it's <laughs> you didn't overboard. have to make it like this yeah it's overboard <laughs> literally overboard yeah that in the fight sequence with the brute in florida yeah which i didn't love the really? way it was filmed Oh, it was super fucking um, born, like the born sequels, all like cutty and really fast sped up and Fastbender. And I told you, so Fastbender was the co-star of Soderbergh's Haywire. Mm-hmm. And, but this was back in 2011. So now he's got some years on him. And it, that was real because they cast MMA star as the star MMA, yes. like uh, Gina um, drawn a blank. Right. I'm sorry to have the movie. Yeah. They had her as a star. And so they literally, the fighting was, that was what sold that movie. And Fastbender held his own. 
And that was the first time I can remember seeing Fassbender really kick ass on screen. So he can. And even though it's, you know, oh, well, it's 12 years later, but I mean, he's living the Hollywood A-list fucking Tom Cruise lifestyle. Like, no, he's like, he's aged four years, not fucking 12 years. Yeah. And he could have, it was just too, it was, I didn't like it. It was too, um, I liked the fight sequence and how real they made it. And then like, it, I liked that there was a lot of back and forth. That was great. Yeah. Cause you don't see that very often. No, it was very John Wickish, but even to a further extent. I have a little analogy. I'm curious if you're going to hate this or you're going to love this. I think it was very John Carpenter. Yes. Yes. Uh, they live. They, big live. Trouble. they yes. live. Yes. Yeah. Where it it's really, really was. Yeah. It was, it was when you stop. I mean, I didn't time it. I mean, John Carpenter, I think it's famously eight minutes. I think it's like seven minutes and 40 seconds. Yeah, it's or long. Whatever. It's long. It, no, it's eight minutes. Uh, this was like six minutes, which is yes. insane. Yeah, and the difference with a lot of downtime though, not like six minutes of straight. It wasn't uh, Raid Two, the final battle that was literally six and a half minutes of top tier uh, martial artists battling it out, going crazy. Maybe the 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 best on you know on screen fight ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was just as long. But then it was just basically like okay. Like this takes some time, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what they live has a lot I'm going of. To like, the fridge. you want anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you got any? You got any? Yeah, uh, you got any? Um, you got Modelo. You're, you're Mexican, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. <laughs> you're Latin, are you? No, man, I'm not fucking. What you fucking Latin? No, I'm Boy, we're in Florida too. I thought you just assume you're Latin. No, man, I'm fucking Italian. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. What are you French? French? I don't know. Your pale skin? No, no, man. I'm fucking. <laughs> well, excuse me, my Kraut Mick friend. Um, <laughs> one of the best lines ever from the godfather um i am so happy that david fincher is back making this kind of movie at the end of the day and okay so fincher has lived in television land for the better part of a decade and a half and while living in television land he inadvertently I'll say created Netflix. He had one of the first two Netflix original series uh, being House of Cards. I think the other was that one with uh, little Stevie from the E Street Band, you know, where it was like the mafia guy had to go to Norway. Oh, yeah, in Europe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forget. Were, that, I forget. Lumber something, right? No, Hammer, Hammer. Lily uh, Hammer. Like the, Lily Hammer, there we go. We yeah. got there. We got there. Um, shout out little Stevie, friend of the pod. Um, another great Italian. The uh, first two original Netflix series, Lily Hammer was being released week by week, and David Fincher said, "Let's just put the whole thing out." What the fuck are we waiting for? He made that decision. Netflix executive said, "Okay, sounds like a good idea," and he changed the way that you know people consume media. And then he realized that people were tuning out during the opening credit sequences and fast forwarding based on Netflix algorithm, he had the idea to put the skip intro button into Netflix. David Fincher famously makes very fucking expensive movies because if you want to get it done right, you're going to pay to get it done right. And unfortunately studios aren't giving a hundred million dollars for the kinds of movies that we want to see the David Fincher's and the Michael Mann's of the world make, right? They're given. Yeah. 8 million for it. 
you know. Girl with the dragon tattoo now, the American version doesn't exist. Does not exist at all. You know, um, seven does not exist. Well, not necessarily seven, but even like social network, like doesn't exist. That was like a $120 million movie. You know, you're not making a $120 million Oscar play anymore. You know, Netflix is a studio that does splurge out cash, but they also make a lot of original content. And yes, I say 90% of it is like the hottest garbage ever being made. Right. Oh, that's, that's favorable. Yeah. 95% of <laughs> the movie, the movies at least that they pump out are absolute horseshit. Like, do you know, there's like um, a movie with the rock and Gal Gadot and, uh, Ryan Reynolds that like exists. And apparently it's like yeah, the red most- notice. It's like one of their biggest movies ever. That movie was written by a computer. I I don't think a human being actually wrote that movie, right? Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, Netflix will put out an original banger. They'll splurge some money. They'll get a Martin Scorsese. They'll get a David Fincher. And before we wrap it up, I think we deserve, well, the DGens deserve, the listeners deserve, to know about a few Netflix movies that do not suck, <laughs> that are not they're few and far between. They are few and far between. Um, but there are a couple that are legitimate bangers. Um, what's a good example of you? Let's give our uh, let's give some Rex. I mean, I'll come in hot here, and maybe I'll lose everybody because you haven't seen it, Mank. It's an Indonesian Indonesian fight flick. The night comes for us. Oh. It is released in 2018. Yeah, 2018. And yeah, the summer of 2018. And I remember it's uh Timo. I just know him it's Timo. I can't pronounce his last name. Tajanto. Uh he had done the killers before that which okay. was a graphic horror action movie mm-hmm. this movie is an action movie with horror elements because the people get destroyed in such a way that it's horrific yeah but this is an action movie the this night comes for us great you will watch movie. it you will, the first 20 minutes, you'll be like, I need to turn this off. This is boring and horrible, which it is. The first 20 are. By minute 35, and I remember, because I was hotly anticipating this movie, I stayed home on Friday night, or if I didn't stay home, I made sure I was home. So uh, us on the East Coast, Netflix releases come out at 3 a.m. Because it's, mm. it's 12 midnight for Pacific time. Yep. So I was made sure I was home at 3 a.m. And at 3.02, I turned on I turned on The Night Comes For Us. And again, I was underwhelmed. I was underwhelmed, but I just knew. Just waited, just waited out. At the 35-minute mark, it got so fucking insane. I paused it. I went on the uh, geek movie board where you and I met each other. And yeah. I commented. I was like, you need to see. I just said to everyone, you need to see this movie. This is the craziest shit. At the 35-minute mark, holy fuck. And then I just resumed the movie. And no joke, the next day, 
everybody was doing the same thing and commenting and saying, oh, I wasn't in, I wasn't in, I didn't like, holy shit. And then at the 35 minute mark, they said, wow, I couldn't be more sold. And it got even just crazier from there. Uh, the night comes for us. I can't believe that they handed over not a ton of money, but any money to this Indonesian genre uh, filmmaker. Yeah. And it, um, it, that was like, that was when they start. Cause like then is what they were like kind of dabbling in. Ooh, we want to like touch different markets. Now mm-hmm. they only touch different markets. They very rarely actually even give a fuck about us market now. Funny enough. Yeah. It's weird. Right. Yeah. It's like literally 80% of their movies are non English, non American movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like now, uh, and the night comes for us and it stars the, the star of the, of both raid movies. Which we both adore. Eco US. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the raid movies are the like pinnacle of action in the past uh, 180 years. (laughs) They are so good. You, you literally just like paved a runway for me. I'll visualize it. Like you were like, Andy, I got this segue into talking about your recommendation by bringing up the raid movies. I'm going to pave this beautiful runway for you to land the plane on. And I appreciate that because in 2018, Netflix also invested some money in a filmmaker by the name of Gareth Evans, who had worked in Indonesia Mm -hmm. for quite some time making both of the raid movies. We all thought this guy is the fucking face of action. He's going to change the game and make the greatest action movies of all time. He just made two of the greatest action movies of all time. What's he going to do next? Oh, it's got a bunch of English and Welsh actors in it. That's weird. Oh, it's a gothic horror film about like... It's two hours and ten minutes long. (laughs) That's even weirder. (laughs) It's really weird. He made a little movie called Apostle that... Much like the night comes for us, but way longer. It's kind of a slow burn, right? It no, no, come on, not kind of. Yeah, but the end. It's it's got a lot of tension. I'm calling it a slow burn because it's the kind of movie that like I really like. Like I like The Wicker Man, and I like weird mm-hmm. folk horror. Uh, so to speak, and gothic horror and things like that. Like, I might be the only person in the fucking world who says, like, Crimson Peak, pretty good movie. You know, like, I... I it's not. It's not. I, I know. I know. But I like that kind no, of I stuff. I want to be clear for anybody that's listening. That is not an endorsement. It, it's pretty good. Crimson Peak's okay. I no, it's not. It's, it's, it, it's ugly. It's garish. It is... Anyways, keep going. I think there's some beautiful ghosts in it. And the last... 30 minutes of apostle it might be 40 minutes it goes like the last <laughs> is fucking crazy it's, it's so it's, crazy it's borderline unwatchable for like an hour and 29 minutes and then uh-huh. 40 minutes of bat shittery yeah because like, like you find bat shittery <laughs> yeah like this cult is like worshiping this goddess and they have this goddess locked in the heart of the island and you're like oh all these people are just crazy this isn't real this is some wicker mm-hmm. man cult stuff and then you're like oh no there's like a real demon lady trapped in the middle of this island who controls these trees 
and now everyone is going to get their heads ripped up and we're going to kill all the children and yeah. show it in graphic detail. Yeah, and, and people are in like vices and getting uh, on the rack and like everybody's yeah. just, <laughs> oh, like eyes torn out, everything. And you might go, oh, yeah, well, I know crazy. I've seen the end of Midsummer. I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm. This, is, this is twice as long <laughs> and 18 times as violent. Yes. This, you know, Midsummer, it happens to like three people and, and two of them are already dead. This happens to mm. like 100 people and it's just everywhere as like somebody's running around the island, like almost like video yes. game paste where you're like, this is insane. Also, Dan Stevens fucking stud that guy's a stud um yeah i i think apostle is fucking worth a damn and it's i can't believe it's a netflix original yeah my next is completely changing gears i don't think netflix's comedies get enough love oh interesting they make a ton of okay comedies by mm -hmm. the way every adam sandler comedy is worth watching on netflix every single one I like Hubie Every Halloween. Adam Sandler... Sorry? I like Hubie Halloween quite a bit. Hubie Halloween is fucking wonderful. They're all, but like, I'm talking about watch them as background, but they're all worth putting on. Mm -hmm. This movie is more, is worth more than that. This is one of my favorite movies of the 2010s. One of my favorite comedies of the 2010s, sorry. It is from the guys who brought you Workaholics. Game Over Man. Oh, yeah. And it's Die Hard with dicks. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's how they sat down. They sat down for the Netflix executives. They go, Die Hard with dongs. Mm -hmm. Netflix goes, $128 million. Here you go. Yeah. And it's an action comedy. There are so many dicks. There are zero tits, zero ass. I think two attractive women. But there was just dicks everywhere. There's a point where a guy is a a guy's a fat guy, a fat man, hairy man, is is put down on a desk, his pants are pulled down, and somebody is forced to eat his asshole. Another man is forced <laughs> to eat his asshole. Another straight yeah. man is forced to eat his asshole. It's that's what the movie is. If you're if you like movies that are funny when you're Friday night smoking a little, taking edibles, or somebody like me drinking a bunch of bourbon. This is as fun as it gets. And they, I heard in interviews later, so the workaholics guys, you know, um, Anders, like they're, they're all, they're mm -hmm. uh, Adam Levine. Yeah, they're Ricky real Anderson, funny. They're real funny. And Adam Levine was like, oh, after we made that movie, Netflix contacted us. And they go, we will never do that again. Like we made a mistake <laughs> we, cause they gave them carte blanche mm. and they let it go. And Netflix got so many complaints about too much dick and too much, whatever. And it's like, Oh, we can never do this again. And oh, they're not so allowed funny. to ever do it again. And they still have working relationships. So the guy who directed that is Kyle Newichek, who was, um, sorry, who what was his name? He, well, he was, he was the fourth main person on workaholics, the TV show. I'm yeah, drawing yeah. blank. The, uh, the, uh his, the weed dealer, the weed dealer. Yes. Yeah. And he directs, he directed both murder mystery movies with Adam Sandler. He's, oh. he's Netflix's comedy action director now. And, but they've, even with all that, so Netflix kept a relationship with all those guys. 
But they're like, but we can never do anything like this again. It was too over the top. You know, I think some types of films, much like how we said the $100 million, you know, kind of whatever you want to call it, thriller. That's not like an action movie, like tense thriller, yes. like doesn't have a yeah, place yeah. in a theatrical release anymore because of Netflix. Mm-hmm. I think adult comedies also are are finding themselves in, in a similar trap because of Netflix. Not finding. No, they're, they're, they're extinct. Well, there was this thing called No Hard Feelings that I saw over the summer with Jennifer Lawrence. And I thought it was funny. That's not even, not, that's like, that's a rom-com with raunchy elements. It yes. is and about it has, it has a, Jennifer Lawrence naked, which by the way, she was buck naked fighting people on the beach. That's great. That's fucking funny as shit. On Long Island. But it is a rom-com. This is an unapologetic, insane, oh, yeah. over the top, like game over. You can't even compare the two. But yeah, you, the only reason I compare it is like that's a movie like like a Revenge of the Nerds, where like the premise is like what if a hot 40-year-old fucked a 15-year-old and we made a comedy about it? You'd be like, you can't make this movie. Like, you know, weird science where it's like, you know, it's rated R or our, our beloved. like Weird science not rated R, but yes. It's not. Well, like our beloved, no. like uh, Porky's and Meatballs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Big fans well, of Well, that's those. the thing is Meatball, the original Meatballs isn't. Yeah. Porky's is. Porky's, Porky's is hard R. Bob Clark, mm-hmm. shout out to Bob Clark. Rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in pussy. <laughs> yeah. Bob Clark. Yeah. Literally just floating in the sea of it yeah. up in heaven. Uh, but but like those movies don't have like a place. And like I think they could find a comfy home on Netflix, you know? Um Yes. Also and- the package. Also the package. If if you like dick comedy, and this we are huge fans of dick dicks on film. Oh, fantastic. We're bigger fans of dicks on film than tits on film in this podcast. Yeah. And if you're a fan of dicks on film, the package on Netflix, seek it out. Yeah. The slinkier. It was, uh, it was, it was produced by the, it was produced by the workaholics guys. Like the, um, R rated comedy. I think a lot of more high budget art house fair finds its way onto Netflix. I know that's where Refn, our beloved Nicholas Winding Refn, has found mm-hmm. his home with Copenhagen Cowboy. Um, Dan Gilroy made that movie like uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah. Um, we were about to get a new Todd Haynes movie, one of my favorite filmmakers. The, the, the mid to $100 million, like this is a gamble for nobody doesn't exist and when it does exist it's Bo is afraid and nobody goes to see it except for me um but you can drop something like that on netflix get some award get some prestige and charlie kaufman's a filmmaker who i really like i think connected in new york is maybe in like my top 20 favorite movies of all time i really like adaptation um and i really like the next movie i'm about to recommend i'm thinking of ending things it's not for everyone it is it's literally for it's literally just for, for me. no one it's literally it's just so for me. trying it is a very trying very very difficult movie with very difficult subject matter um yes when you get down to the brass tax it is about suicide but the um or being already well, shout out to shout out to jesse Plemons. never gives a bad performance ever ever yeah 
Yeah, I mean, like, say what you Jesse will. Jesse Plemons is ugly Brad Pitt. He is Matt Damon if Matt Damon got stung by a hive of bees in the face. That's, that's so funny, and that's very well put. Thank you. I said he's ugly, but that's well, much better. Yes, he really is. He's fucking... He's allergic reaction Matt Damon. Yes. That's what he is. Matt Damon needs he an is, uh, He is an ugly man who at one point gained a ton, of, like a ton of bad weight, and he's lost a lot of it. Even though you go, he's still big. No, he was like giant for a while. Uh huh. He married Kirsten Dunst because he's so talented. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst is like, oh yeah, I'm fucking, I'll deal with this. Kirsten Dunst is five foot four, 104 pounds, and D cup tits. I don't care what you think about what people couldn't say about whatever Kirsten Dunst. She's hot, dude. She's yeah, she's fucking hot. And she's talented too, man. Say what you will about Oh, she's uh, supremely talented. Supremely talented. Yeah. I, I'm like a big Melancholia guy. Like, I know he's controversial, but I like Lars von Trier. And, like, I think she goes all in in that very bizarre movie. Um, but, again, that's a very similar kind of vein as I'm thinking of ending things, right? Like It is. Actually, yeah, it is. No. Yeah, like the Melancholias and the Antichrist yeah. of the world. Um, maybe something you like time, If you are thinking of ending things with yourself – Watch those two movies back to back and you will just end things. You will stop. Yeah. The thinking will be over. You'll just get it over with. I'm not going to tell you to seek help. I'm going to tell you to watch two movies back to back and you come. If you, you know, you think you're suicidal, watch. I'm thinking of any things with melancholia in the same night on a, on a Friday night alone. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you walk away from those going, I still want to live, then you actually aren't suicidal. And if you walk away from those things saying, oh, I'm texting you and now it's just going to green and it doesn't go to blue and it, nothing happens anymore. Cause I know you fucking killed yourself. Well then yeah, you, you were, you were actually honest about wanting to kill yourself. That's my weekly suicide uh, check. You know, I make sure I'm good by watching one of those movies at like 2 AM <laughs> on a Friday and I text you or you notice that I watch bad Lieutenant on my letterbox. Yeah, I see a letterbox. Yeah. yeah. An obscenely <laughs> odd hour of the night. And you're like, you're oh, making man. a joke, but what was that movie? There was something you watched in recent months. And I literally was like, are you okay? And I was there, like, there were a few things. Like, why, yeah, you were... why are you watching this? I think it was like Dogville or something. And it was like, four or five in the morning and you're like you just watch two Lars von Trier movies and solid 100 I'm days of sick Sodom. and I'll watch sick movies and I'll but I, like I'll watch them once and be like okay I've, I've experienced it and that's it I watched Melancholia once in 2011 and I'm like that's it I don't need to fucking do it again yeah. I'll also watch Another Earth the movie that came around the same time it doesn't matter I'm trying this yeah, yeah. is me flexing I that I, fucking I think I'm thinking of ending things is something that we don't get often these days that I truly appreciate existing out there in the ether. And mm -hmm. oddly enough, I have the evil empire that is Netflix to okay, thank. Let me get that. to our last one and let's get these last ones. Let's just get these, let's just get these out. My last one and, is dumb. And get it moving. Dumb. Cause my, my, I was going to say, um, it would have been a great companion piece to apostle. I was going to say, hold the dark Jeremy mm -hmm. Sonnier's uh, misfire which is actually very lovely, a very well-shot, lovely film. But instead, I'm going to say a movie that you most acid-holily acid spoke about earlier in the podcast, and it is the best action movie on Netflix, Extraction. I knew you were going to. I like brought it up and was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And then when you said I was like, ah, I'm not, not going to say. Extraction is, I have no problem if, like, 
sure, I like Night Comes for Us more. I've seen it more. But Extraction is, for me, the best made a Netflix movie because it and it has everything in Netflix. The kid is Indian. It has all the Indian people, meaning they yeah, deliberately yeah. did it that way for the yeah. algorithm, so it's going to appeal like more globally. And but they somehow pulled it off with doing all of that, and still just made a wonderful action film. And it's one of the great action set pieces of the 2010s when he is rescuing the kid, and they do a one shotter. You know, quote unquote one shotter. You know, like yeah, the, yeah, the fake one shotters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they and they do the they do the fake one, but it really comes off as real, and it's it's wonderful. And um, yeah, everybody involved in that movie knocks it out of the park. David Harbour's in it for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Idris Elba's in the second one, and he's yeah. slimy. <laughs> and the second one is great. I mean, it's not as good as the first, but the second one is still really good. Uh, Extraction is. Check it out on Netflix if you haven't, which is funny. Um, my non-movie geek friends, they were like, oh, what should I watch? Sorry, and I had it wrong. I said it was the 2010s. It came out in 2020. I thought it was 2019. It was 2020, yeah. Yeah, 2020. Um, but everything I said still stands. But I had a friend say, oh, what should I watch? And I said, oh, well, obviously, you've seen Extraction. And it's a guy who like, watches movies all the time. He's like, no, I've never heard of that. He literally said, I've never heard of that. Because what Netflix does, they bury their good films. They are turning art into content. And there always is a historical, like, you know, movies are um, consumerist, you know, they're, they're mm. a production to make money, but the disposable nature of the dumping, like, you know, this is content, this is content that you, we lose them to the cultural ether so quickly the second after they come out, whereas if mm. Extraction had a theatrical release, we'd be waiting like for Like you it. said, like you said earlier in the pot, it would be John Wick. Yeah, or at least and the it's made. Sorry, it's made by the same studio that makes John Wick. <laughs> so if you like John Wick, you will like Extraction. I, pro I promise. That is a promise. Thousand percent. A thousand percent. Um, and there's a lot of you out there that might be lukewarm on John Wick that might love Extraction because it, it pulls at the, you know, tugs at your heart a little little differently than, and, than John and Wick. And it's does. got the more like Call of Duty style action than John Wick. It's not as like yes. kung fu y, you yeah. know? Um yeah. that movie came out in 2020 in the height of the pandemic where you were like weren't allowed to leave your house in New York. And I vividly remember staying up past midnight that night till 3 a.m. or setting an alarm to watch The Five Bloods because I was so excited for the new Spike Lee movie, one of like my favorites. Yeah. And finished it and went like, wow, that was really good. And then it came up like also new and it was Extraction. And I like started it thinking it was going to be some garbage Netflix movie that I was going to go to yeah. bed to. And, and then pause like, it and watch it later. Dude, that one take happens and I'm like, oh, this is a real movie. And I like went and made coffee and then like rewound it and was like, I'm oh, my, mine is very, very similar. I was up late because I'm always up late. And I go, okay, let me put on this extraction movie. I'm going to fall asleep to it. And I got into 35 minutes in and I just said, oh, I turned it off. I said, I will watch that tomorrow. Well, like actually watch it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah I started yeah. it from, fr I started it fresh the next day and watched it all the way through. Holy, and I was, holy shit. Yeah. My, um, my last recommendation 
is another dumb action movie that I expected to be absolute garbage. And then it started and I went, is this good actually? And it's a superhero movie called the old guard with Charlize Mm -hmm. Theron about a bunch of like Wolverine dedicated Charlize Theron. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like what is said, She's doing trash, but she's treating it like she does with anything, like elevated art. Also an underrated action star, Charlize Theron. And she's been in action for 20 years. Very well, too. Ann Flux? When is Ann Flux? When when the fuck? I don't Uh, even know what I have in front of me. 2015-ish or something, 2014 No, are you fucking out of your mind? It's 2004. No, it came out like right around the same time as my beloved uh, Assassin's Creed with Eon Flux, 2005. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, she's been doing it forever then. That's yeah, crazy. she's 20 years into the action game, man. That's crazy. Um, yeah, The Old Guard, it's directed by Gina Prince by the Wood, who's a director I really like. She made a movie called like Love and Basketball and the Secret Life of Bees, like some kind of like, you know. Didn't know that she did Love and Basketball. That's so funny. Yeah, isn't that so funny? And I was watching The Old Guard, and I really liked Love and Basketball, like when I was younger. Like I liked those movies. And um you know, I'm a fucking comic book guy. And I did read the comic book, The Old Guard. It was written by this dude, Greg Rucka, who is a fantastic writer, writes a lot of crime fiction and action kind of fiction and things along those lines. And it was an image comic series. So it was this independent comic. And one of the cool things with image is they were started as an independent company for artists to own their creative licenses for all of their characters. The only thing image owns is the logo at the top and 50% of what the paperbacks and the, the floppies that you sell are. You're going too long. You're going, you're getting too geek. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very similar to like the walking dead was an image comic. And then the guy made the walking dead and guess what? He owns all the rights. That guy's a fucking billionaire because he sold mm-hmm. the TV show. And when I was watching the old guard with Gina Prince by the wood, something in the back of my head said, give this fucking woman an X-Men movie because like she's a gay black lady and she's making action like this. She understands the assignment of the X-Men kind of, and like the mutant. And it's a very, very fucking exciting, exciting movie with uh, Charlize at like a post Mad Max Charlize. Um, but for the most part, Netflix is just a cesspool of garbage and it does get its Oscar plays. We could have said marriage story here. We could have said, I mean, no, yeah, let's be clear here. Yes. We could have done Roma. We could have done marriage story. The obvious ones. We deliberately went with the (laughs) non-obvious and we didn't want to call it underrated because these aren't even so much underrated uh but they are below the radar below the radar is maybe a little bit better you know sure not as um but they're in general people honestly honestly turn off netflix turn on amazon prime amazon prime selection of films is much better you'll if you went to a random amazon uh, amazon on prime you're gonna find odds are you're gonna find a better movie It'll be old if you're mm-hmm. fine with old. If yeah. you're fine with old. If it needs to be new, we just told you. Movies, if it needs to be new, we just told you movies. We gave you action. We gave you horror. We gave you comedy. We gave you comic booky. Like, whatever mm-hmm. you need here. 
Yeah. And so right- again, like in, in some, like really quick, wrap it up. Cause we are going long here. Mm-hmm. My picks, my three picks, Netflix movies that actually don't suck. <laughs> Night comes for us. Mm-hmm. Game over man. Extraction. Yeah. Mine are apostle by the great Gareth Edwards Evans. I'm thinking of ending things. Charlie Kaufman and the old guard, Gina Prince by the wood. And please remember to watch David Fincher's The Netflix, uh, The Netflix, Jesus. <laughs> please Jesus. remember to watch David Fincher's The Killer. It's fucking fantastic. Please remember to follow us on Spotify, review us on Spotify. And if you want to reach out to us, you can find us at Cinema at gmail.com we are about to talk about michael mann's heat which will be coming out this oh, oh you, fuck we are about Jesus, to talk about you put the h word in my goddamn mouth we are about to talk about michael mann's thief which will be coming out this thursday i'm very very excited about that but for the meantime we're going to stick to our plan we're going to anticipate we're not going to improvise we trust no one we never yield an advantage, and we are only fighting. And we don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're fighting the battles we're paid to fight.